Well, my name is Chris Cox. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, if you don't know me. Uh, pastor Rands, who is our senior pastor, is gone on vacation. That was him in the video. And uh, so if you don't like the message this morning, just come back next week. It'll be better. I can guarantee it. But uh, Pastor is uh, gone, and uh, we're grateful that he is able to get away. Uh, to be able to have some time just to have some downtime. You all know how that is when you get a vacation and uh, you, you realize it's just going to be a one-week vacation. You get about five days into it and realize you haven't relaxed yet. And uh, so we're glad that he was able to get away. And uh, he got into the series on Revelation. And uh, I don't know about you, but Revelation is very intriguing to me. And I remember I'm, I'm that age, I'm 45, and so growing up in the 80s, uh, for those of you who remember the 80s, uh, th the revelation was big at that time. Uh, the return of Christ, it was predicted, was going to happen in the 80s. It didn't happen. Uh, we went, I remember going to crusades here in Toledo, uh, that preachers coming in and talking about the rapture of the church and we need to be ready and God's coming back and uh, then it was predicted later on uh, well we kind of misinterpreted that and so it's coming in the 90s and that didn't happen either and then Y2K uh, we all prepared for that uh, the world was going to collapse we all had stockpiles of food some of you still have stockpiles of food that you're not sure what to do with all those beans but it was a good idea at the time to put that in your garage or your basement. And uh, so Pastor began this series on Revelation and it's always intriguing about the thoughts and ideas on Revelation. And so he started that and then he says to me, I'm going on vacation, what are you gonna preach? I said, I have no idea. I said, I'll preach the heresy, you come back and fix it when I'm done, when you get back. Uh, no, we're not gonna do that today. Um, but have you ever had one of those days I mean, a day that you remember, uh, a day, here's an example. This happened about 20 years ago, and I can still remember it as if it happened yesterday. My wife and I, we were, uh, it, was, it was in the middle of the night, and I am an, a vivid dreamer. Any of you vivid dreamers? You like, you, you're not just, you know, did you dream last night? I don't know. No, if I have a dream, I remember my dream. I mean, it was, I mean, I was fighting for my life. And so this was one of those nights that I was, that I was fighting the bad guys. I was defending my wife, the honor of the home. I was the one that was defending the enemy. And I don't remember exactly what the dream was, who I was fighting, but I remember that I was in a vicious battle. In that battle, I remember that they had me pinned down and the only thing I could do was to kick them off. You all know. And with all of my force, I kicked those people really hard. And somewhere in the middle of, you know, you're sleeping, but you're not sleeping, that in-between light where you realize you may have just kicked your wife really hard and you lay there because you don't want to wake up and ask her, did I just kick you? But you lay there hoping that you didn't. And so silently, I wait. And then I hear, <laughs> oh, thinking maybe she was just dreaming, possibly. And uh, she was not. 
we began at about three o'clock in the morning to have a conversation. Conversation, something went like, why did you just kick me? I tried to explain the bad guys were after us. She didn't buy it. But you know those days, the ones that instantly come back to mind and are in full color? You don't have to try to remember those days. You don't have to try to remember the event that happened. I don't have to try to remember that dream. I remember it vividly. Did you ever hear a voice? Paul Harvey. Good day. Paul Harvey's voice was one of those voices that when you heard it, you knew this voice is Paul Harvey. I remember one day going into Home Depot, and in Home Depot, I mean, you know how big these stores are. I had so attuned my voice to my father's voice that when he cleared his throat, I immediately looked because most of the time growing up when he cleared his throat, it was because I was doing something that I should not be doing. And so him clearing his throat was instruction to me to stop. So as a child, I tuned my voice, my ear to his voice. And I knew that when he cleared his throat, and I remember one day being in Home Depot and I was shopping, I was an adult. I was married, I had children. I was in Home Depot and I was back in the lumber or the electrical or something looking and all of a sudden I heard this, <clears throat> my dad is in the store. I don't know where in the store he is, but my dad is in the store. You all have things like that that you would do with your family? Parents, their kid is misbehaving across the room and they scream out, Johnny, stop it! Well, as a family, we decided not to do that as a husband and wife. And so we have a little cue. I'm giving away my secret this morning. We have a little cue with our family. If I'm trying to get my wife's attention or my children's attention, I don't yell out their name. I simply go, psst. And it's amazing across the store. I can be aisles away from my daughter, away from my wife, and I can go, psst, and they all turn around and look at me. Yes? Tuned in to that voice. A few years ago, I was in the airport, and if you, if you like flying, you know how exciting it is to go into an airport. I mean, you're getting ready for this trip, and you've packed your bags, and you're ready to go to the airport. And I remember going to the airport, and I had a ritual at, at Detroit Metro Airport. They had a, had a little booth. It was called Cinnabon. Y'all ever had Cinnabon? Well, where we live, they did not have Cinnabon, but I knew that in the airport, they had Cinnabon. So I would show up to the airport like an hour early, go through security. You basically have to take everything off now going through security. Your bags are checked, dogs are sniffing you. I mean, you're going through everything, and finally you get through, and I'm like, thank God, because I am headed to Cinnabon. And I was standing in line at Cinnabon, and all of a sudden, out of the background, I heard this voice. And it instantly took me back to my childhood, and I was trying to place the voice. Who is this? And so being the people watcher that I am, if I could find a job watching people and they would pay me to do this, I would sit all day and watch people. 
I instantly decided Cinnabon is not worth this any longer. I'm going to now go inspect and figure out what that voice is that I'm hearing. And so I turned and I saw standing in the Sabaro line a man with a backpack. He was talking and I could tell I know that voice. How do I know that voice? And so I get in line behind him. I don't even want Sabaros. I want Cinnabon. But I want to figure out who this voice is. And it's coming back to me, and I'm thinking, this is, a, this is somebody from TV. This is somebody that I know from TV. And so I'm standing there, and on his backpack as I'm looking, I mean, this is like a disheveled man. It wasn't like a well-dressed man with briefcase. This is a disheveled man with a backpack on, and the backpack wasn't even nice. And on his backpack, I think it was an NBC logo. I'm thinking, ah, clue number two. Not only do his voice, but now the station. I'm sure I know this voice. And as he began talking, I realized this was Tom Brokaw. So I am standing in line behind Tom Brokaw. And he had just written that book, The Greatest Generation. And I so desperately wanted to talk to him, but now I'm in line. He's moved down and the lady says, can I help you? No, I'm just following that guy. I don't... So I order something and he goes wandering off. And I'm like, where did he go? So now I'm wandering around with Sabaro, which I don't want, trying to find a guy and try not to be creepy about it. And so he sits down and I walk up to him and I say, Mr. Brokaw? Yes. I mean, that voice that he has. I said, do you mind if I talk with you for just a minute about that book that you wrote? Oh, come on and talk. And so we sat there and for about 10 minutes, we sat and talked while his food was getting cold. And I could tell I was pushing into that. You're intruding on my time now and my food. Uh, could you kindly let me eat? And so I got up and I walked away. But that voice in my head took me back to sitting in my grandparents' living room. My grandfather watching the nightly news with Tom Brokaw. And it's amazing how a voice can trigger a memory so quickly. If you take your Bibles, we're going to look at Revelation chapter number one this morning. And I promise you, if you keep that thought in your mind as we go into Revelation chapter number one, it will help you as we move into this. Revelation is written by a man named John. Now, who is this John? This John was the same apostle that in the book of John, he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. This John was the John who was now going to pen the words that we have as revelation, that we look at and we look in awe and say, what are the things that are coming? And John is able to teach us and to show us the things that are to come in our future. So as we look at Revelation chapter number one, starting in verse number one, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signify it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which was, which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ 
who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the, the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he hath made us kings and priests unto God his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and, and patience in, of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here John is describing who he is and why he was where he was. John is on the isle of Patmos. The isle of Patmos was where he was exiled. He was boiled in oil. He did not die. They sent him to this isle. It was a salt isle. And if you've ever known to be burned and all of a sudden you get salt on you, salt dries it out. And so you have this man who was boiled in oil, who is now on this isle of Patmos, who is suffering. And he says to the people that he's writing the book to, I am here because of the message of Jesus Christ. Here's why I'm here. So we have this man who was an apostle, who has now been persecuted, who has now been exiled, and he's on the Isle of Patmos, and he's saying to the people, I'm here because of the message that I've preached, because of Jesus Christ, and now he's going to begin his message to us. In verse number 11, uh, number 10, lo, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Here he is on the Lord's day. John is standing there. He may be sitting, he may be kneeling, but he was in the spirit. He was thinking about God. He was thinking about the work that was being done. He was focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden he hears a voice behind him. Boom. I recognize that voice. I want you to skip verse number 11 because verse number 11 is simply explanation of what the voice says. I want to link three verses here and you'll see why. So verse number 10, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Verse number 12, and I turned to see the voice. So immediately when John heard this voice, he turned to see it. We've all done that. Somebody calls out your name. If you're a mother, if you're a father, and somebody yells mom or dad, if you've tuned your voice into your children and they say mom, instantly you turn. Sometimes there's a cry that our children make, and we don't focus on that, on that cry. Why? They're just whining. They don't need something. But there is a voice there is a cry that a child makes that a parent instantly drops everything that they have and they get up and they run to that child. John here, he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. He's focusing on God. He hears a voice. The voice says something and he instantly turns to see what the voice is, who the voice is. So verse number 12, we see that he turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw, and verse number 12 finishes, verse 13, 14, and 15, and 16, show you what he saw. They are important, but for the message this morning, I want to skip those verses and go down to verse number 17. It says, and when I saw him, so verse number 10 says, and I heard behind me a great voice. And verse number 12 says, and I turned to see that voice. And verse number 17 says, and when I saw him. I fell at his feet. 
John instantly, think about this with me for a second, John here is on the Isle of Patmos. He has suffered persecution because of Jesus Christ. He's now focusing on Jesus and the voice comes behind him. He instantly recognizes that voice. He turns and here's what I believe John went to for a brief second. You ever have your life flash in front of your eyes? You ever get into an, almost get into an accident? Get into an accident? Have something happen? It was almost horrible. Your life flashes before your eyes. It was only an instant, but a great amount of information has gone through your mind. I want you to look at Luke chapter number 24. Hold your place there in Revelation chapter 1, but look at Luke chapter number 24. Because I believe that when John heard Jesus' voice, when John saw him, I believe that John went back to the last time he saw Jesus. You ever hear a voice and instantly go back to a memory? John here, he goes back, Luke chapter number 24. This was the last day that he saw Jesus. Luke 24 was that day when the two men were walking on the road to Emmaus. And all of a sudden, a person came walking with them. And that person, they began to discuss what the events of the week were. And they began to talk about it. And that person that was with them, they didn't recognize him because it was a different form than what they were used to seeing Jesus. And Jesus began to expound to them from the Old Testament who Jesus was. He began to say to them that I am the high priest. He began to say that I am the sacrificial lamb. I am the Passover lamb. I am the one that is the captain of the Lord's host. I am the kinsman redeemer. And he began to go through Moses and the prophets and he began to explain to them who he was. And remember, those men ran back to Jerusalem. And they went into the upper room and they told the disciples, you'll never believe what we just saw. And as they were talking to them, instantly Jesus was before them. Instantly Jesus was there. And they stood back in awe and wonder and disbelief that that was actually him. And John was there. If you look at verse number 45 of, of Luke chapter number 24, go back to verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Because in verse number 48, he said, I want you to be witnesses for me. John here, if you remember the disciples, how many times did Jesus say to the disciples, do you not understand what I'm saying to you? Can you not comprehend what I am telling you? We just had this miracle, and now you want me to explain it. We just did this thing, and now you want me to, to explain it. We just fed 5,000 people, and now you're worried about food. Don't you get it? And he opened their understanding. And they began to see who Jesus really was. If you look at verse number 50, he says, And he led them out as far 
as to Bethany. Now remember what had happened here. They were hiding in the upper room and they were waiting. And Jesus led them out to Bethany. Do you remember what Bethany is? Bethany was where Mary and Martha and Lazarus were. Bethany was where they had seen many miracles, but Bethany was where they went and they got the colt. The last time Jesus was with the disciples in Bethany, he told them, go get that colt for me and bring him in because I'm going to ride that colt into Jerusalem and the people are going to reject me. But this time he takes him to Bethany and he's not looking for a colt. This time he takes him to Bethany and this time he's looking for a cloud. He's waiting for that cloud that is going to take him back to heaven. He's not going to the old Jerusalem this time. He's going to the new Jerusalem this time. He's not here to go into Jerusalem and be defeated. He's here this time to go into heaven and become the king, the son of God that he was. This is what John saw Jesus the last time. This is where he saw John, Jesus the last time. In verse number 50, it says that he led them out. Sometimes Jesus has to, God has to change our location to change our perspective. Remember when Jesus, when, when God took Moses to the backside of the desert? At the backside of the desert, he revealed something new to Moses. He said, I am that I am. He'd never told that to anybody before. Jesus, God had to take Joseph from his family into Egypt to reveal to Joseph who he was. God sometimes has to change our location to change our perspective of who he is. Sometimes he has to lead us out of where we're comfortable into a place where we are uncomfortable. Last time they were in Bethany, bad things happened. This time, good things are going to happen. He's got to change your perspective. He's got to take us full circle. He took him back to Bethany. He has to take us full circle. Sometimes you look at your life and you wonder, how did I ever get back here? It's funny, just talking, uh, when, when we came here, um, Dorothy was in the office that I was in, and she got moved to the front office over, by the, over in the church. And she said, I've just gone full circle. I started there, I moved all these offices, and now I'm back in the same office I was years ago. Sometimes life takes us full circle. But when we get back to that location, we're changed, we're different. Because God has changed us, he's molded us, he's used life to impact us. And here John and the disciples had gone full circle. And notice in verse number 50, and as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. This blessing was the thing that changed him. Before this, you remember the disciples, they fought over who was going to sit closest to Jesus. They fought amongst each other. But from this point on, the record says that the disciples were in one accord. They were unified. And as you look at history, you see that the disciples, one by one, you look at their life, they were persecuted and they were martyred. 
Some went to Africa, some went to India, some went to Greece, some went different parts of the world, but the history tells us that they all went and they were all martyred for their faith. Don't you think, except John. John is the only one that they believe died of natural causes because they tried to kill him by boiling him in oil, but he didn't die. Don't you think that this truth impacted them so much that they said, I'm willing to give my life for it. So as we look back at Revelation chapter number one, John here hears a voice, he turns around, and he sees Jesus. And John, I believe, said it was worth it. Every trial, every difficulty, every problem that we faced, every challenge, every person that has died, it's all worth it. Not one of them recounted. Don't you think that if this was a lie, that Jesus was not who he said he was? Don't you think that the disciples would have said finally one of them, look, it was just a big joke. This didn't really happen. This isn't something that really, that we, we just tried to collude together. But they all died for what they believed. So we as Christians, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? The series title is Living Courageously in Prophetic Times. What are we supposed to do? I think the key is found in chapter 1 and verse number 17. It says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. Fear not. There's some pretty bad things happening in our world today. I think as you watch the news and you read what's going on, we would all agree that there is great persecution happening to Christians all over the world. How are we supposed to live in that? Fear not. Jesus said to his disciples and said to people all throughout his ministry, don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't worry. Fear not. With things that are going on in our lives, our job is to not fear. Don't be afraid. Why? Because he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. He is stronger and he will overcome. The keys, if you look at, look at verse number, um, verse number 18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. This one that we are worshiping, Jesus Christ, he is not controlled by anything. Nothing is bothering him. Nothing worries him. He doesn't look at our news and wonder what's going to go on. How am I going to fix this? He has everything under control. He has the keys to death and hell in his hand. Number one, don't worry. Don't fear. Number two, realize he's coming back. He said in Acts chapter, uh, in Acts chapter number one, in verse number 11, this same Jesus. The disciples are standing there watching him go up, and an angel comes down and goes, hey, hey, what are you looking at? Where, 
He said he was coming back. He goes, oh, yeah, he's coming back. This same Jesus that you saw, he's coming back. You know what, church? He's coming back. It could be today. It could be this morning. It could be before we go, before we end this service and get to our cars, Jesus could come back. And when he comes back, we are going to meet him in the air. Those that are alive and remain, that's us. We'll meet him in the air. It's going to be so fast, sometimes I have rapture practice. It's going to happen. And I can't wait. Don't fear. And live today as if he's coming back today. So who do you need to tell? Who do you need to go to? What friend, what relative, what coworker do you need to go to and say, hey, I just want to tell you something. Jesus is coming back. I'm not saying when. I don't know when, but he's coming back. Do you realize today that Jesus is coming back? I mean, if we, Christmas time, kids are so excited because Santa Claus is coming to town. Jesus is no Santa Claus. Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And I am so excited and can't wait for the day that you hear that trumpet and the dead in Christ shall rise, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the air. We're going up. That's us, church. So my challenge to you today is this. Don't live in fear, number one. Number two, are you ready? Are you ready? I don't even know what it means really to go to heaven. I don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know what that means. That's good news. Because if you don't know what that means, we can share with you this morning how you can know for sure that you're going to see Jesus again. It's really simple. He created a way. Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross for our sins. So we go to heaven. He paid the penalty so we don't have to pay that penalty. He died and was separated from God so we don't have to die and be separated from God. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in his finished work on the cross. And when we do, we receive salvation. This morning, if you know that, live today as if Jesus is coming back today. Don't live in fear. If you don't know that, today's the day to get that settled. Today's the day to know for sure that you'll spend eternity with him. Because one day, we're all going to hear his voice.